Well, it is uh, good to be with you in this place. Our uh, Jewish friends and landlords, of course, are in their high holy days, so uh, there are worse places that we could go to to be off-site. Now, when we were here on Good Friday, some of you remember it was an icebox in here. Uh, folks were shivering, at least some of us were. So I hope you are suitably cooled off today. We're going to look at one of the shortest psalms, um, and it is going to wrap up this series on who God is, and God is our unity. So let's, let's read this, and then I'll walk through it with us. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray uh, that by it you would nourish us, not only personally, but corporately together. Uh, we thank you for the gifts that have come down to us and that spread out uh, in our relationships with each other and out in our witness to the world. God, we thank you that you are so good to us and that you give us your blessings and your gifts, especially your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, being in a different place, I didn't say, you know, we're a little thrown off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, <laughs> there you go. All right, all right. Now, everything's right in the world. <laughs> now, one thing that parents really value for their kids is that uh, the siblings would get along. You know this in your family, is that siblings relate harmoniously. And so often, friendly competition is something that endures among siblings, even as they get older. Brotherly competition, sisterly competition. Uh, you know, brothers get together as the years go on, and they compare, you know, whose hairline is receding the slowest. <laughs> or in light of today's passage, who has the most impressive beard? Uh, sisters, I got to be careful with this one, you know, maybe comparing shoes. For my wife, it would be shoes and how you're doing it, math. I don't want to stereotype here. <laughs> now, my boys, as many of you know, are in their late 20s. Uh, Garrett, my oldest, is uh, 30, I think. <laughs> and they have their own wives, they have their own houses, children, uh, but they will always, always compete. Uh, we went to a restaurant a few months ago, and we had a wonderful time, the three of us. And afterward, we walked out, and there was a long parking lot, and the older one, Garrett, said to the younger one, let's race. <laughs> so I got about 50, 60 yards away. I got my phone out. I was the referee, the umpire, you know, ready, set, go. They went, and as it was in high school, the older one is still a little faster the younger one was a better football player, but the older one was a little faster. So the younger one protested and said there was a false start. <laughs> so they re-raced. So I got that second video. Then, of course, again, they had to re-race one more time. 
Now, when we got back to Garrett's house uh, with the little kids there, and we were, I was doing grandfatherly things, he said, Dad, send me the video. Dad, send me the video. He was like a little kid. Send me the video. Brothers always compete. But what was so fun for me and still is, is that this is a friendly competition. They're the best of friends. Uh, they moved to the same state so that they could raise their families together. And it also warms my heart that they do include their younger sister somewhat. <laughs> and she's going to be going again to see them on one of her trips to be Auntie Paige to the little ones. Now, why do I mention all this? Because this is the kind of positive imagery of brothers and sisters relating in a way that is harmonious and pleasant and beautiful. This is the thing that the passage is talking about. But it's far more than just our nuclear families. In fact, it is the spiritual family of God that in so many cases, if we believe in Christ, includes our nuclear families. You see, spiritual siblings are to stay connected. We are to work out our oneness. And the Bible is full of those kinds of descriptions of who we are and what we're to become. And yet sweet concord can so easily unravel into acrimonious discord and painful discord. These problems of discord are in human history. They're, they're in the church. They're often in our families. You know this. And they go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. We find it with Cain and Abel. You see, the first civil war was intra-family conflict. Cain turned on Abel in jealousy and rage. He treated his brother as an enemy, severing their brotherly bonds. And so fanning out back into our context, we see so much polarization and enmity and envy in the culture. And this has also strained nuclear families as well as church families. You know, growing up and, and really my entire life, I always, when I heard the word silo, I always thought it was a tower to hold grain, to store grain. But friends, you know that in the last three to five years, we hear the word silo all the time, and it refers to polarizing. It refers to getting in your bunker, to isolating from others, and sometimes that affects the church. We are, in the body of Christ, sometimes going into silos. But this tells us that God is our unity. And as, we, as Phil mentioned, as we wrap up this series about who God is, it takes us into the next series about our life together and our life together as one people has been created by God, and he calls us to live into that reality that he has created. And so even with this very brief psalm, as a Presbyterian pastor, I've managed to find three points. And they are, unity is beautiful. Unity flows down from above. And unity is found in our priest. First, unity is beautiful. Look at verse 1. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters, it includes sisters, dwell together in unity. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it a, 
a beautiful reality when God's people live in harmony with each other, when we get along. Yes, it is. It is beautiful. Now, the word goodness implies what ought to be. It is God's moral imperative, his, his command, if you will, that he calls us to live out. We are to live out oneness. We are to pursue unity. And the word pleasant implies what we desire to be, which is one. In other words, it's not just objectively good, but it's experientially delightful when we live out the unity that God has created. You see, the psalmist is saying that our unity is attractive to God. It is hopefully attractive to us, and it becomes also attractive to the watching world. Conversely, our disunity does not help our witness to the world, does it? They will know that we are Christians by our love for one another, the Word of God says. Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John 17. He prayed, Father, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, the word of his immediate followers, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one, and we participate in this Trinitarian unity. We sang about it beautifully in the earlier songs. And now Jesus, we need to realize, prayed that we would live this out. This is his will, this is his desire. And we know that we are so often fractured as Christians, but God's goal is that his son's prayer would be answered, that the world may believe that Jesus has sent us. And so, dear friends, and you know this, but it is good to repeat this, if you are joined to Jesus, you are spiritually connected to his people. You are adopted into his family. I love this phrase. Uh, the, the pastor scholar Eugene Peterson said, no Christian is an only child. No Christian is an only child. And yet I think we've been living in the last few years with an increase of isolation. It's, you know, doing things from home, working from home, doing church from home. And we're coming back together and we are reminded that no Christian is an only child. So this is saying that we're not a mere human society, but we are the body of Christ. Reconciled to God and each other by the death of Jesus on the cross. It is so important to know that what Christ did for us at Calvary is not only to make us right with God, but also to bring various people together in him. Ephesians 2, 13 to 16 makes this beautiful declaration of, of who we are and what Psalm 133 says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you who do not... He's speaking there to pagans 
those who did not have any of the promises of Israel, none of the covenants, none of the understanding of the coming Redeemer, you who were far off, he is brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his very flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he, that is Jesus, might create in himself, and this is the real money section, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And so Jesus unites us to the Father, but he also creates one new humanity in himself. And that's a beautiful reminder for us as we seek to maintain our unity. Another aspect of all of this is this oil um, that we read about here. And I'm going to talk about it more in a different sense, in a priestly sense in a moment. But one of the things that it's conveying to us, this passage, is that this oil that was poured out um, was sensuous. Um, it was probably a blend of olive oil, of myrrh, of cinnamon, of cassia. I had to look up cassia. It says it's spicy and sweet like cinnamon, but with a woodsy <laughs> aspect to it. Sounds like cologne. It sounds like perfume. Uh, think of essential oils. I think some of you are into essential oils. When this was poured out, uh, folks around could smell it. And it was conveying in a very visceral way the pleasant fragrance of our beautiful unity in God. This is something that is pleasing. And yet many forces, many aspects, many things are threatening to pull us apart, to make our relating not a sweet fragrance, but an unappealing scent. There are so many things that are tempting us to dissolve our unity in Jesus. And we know this again. Now, I want to speak about this partly because it's mostly in the past tense, uh, but many Christians have felt very, very intensely about masks, about vaccines, and all the related politics. And I think that you, I think that we, by God's grace, have done well with this issue, these issues as a body. By grace, we have walked through landmines, <laughs> in the last three years, mostly unscathed. But it's important for us to remember that it's so easy to detonate and to damage the body of Christ by stepping on things that are non-essentials, that are important, but they're non-essentials. They do not define us as the people of God. And we have to watch out for this. You know, there's another issue that's brewing, that's been brewing, that to some degree has surprised me, and, and I've not always um, predicted where people would be on this matter, but it's the, it's the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I mean, I think we're all horrified, certainly, by that. But there are strongly held differing opinions. And as I, I've had conversations about this, it, 
it's, it's interesting. Um, sometimes conservatives sound like old Democrats now, and liberals sound like old Republicans. It can be very interesting, and the way that different views are held. And here's the point, that's okay. Because though that issue is crucial for the world, and it's important, and we need to care about it, we need to pray about it, our policy opinions are not, friends, where we locate our oneness. And we have to remember this as you know, we get onto social media and we, we look at the news, and, and those um, presentations tend to define this is what we care about, and this is what unites us or puts us in our silos. You see, Psalm 133 is saying that we locate our oneness in Zion. And when we come to the New Testament, it is the heavenly Zion where Jesus Christ reigns with the Father at the Father's right hand. Many of you have heard this motto, and we're not exactly sure who came up with it, but it is repeated often, and it's very helpful for us as we debate issues, as we think about what matters and what's secondary or what's tertiary. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In all things, charity. Now, friends, this means that in the body of Christ, not only here, but as we relate to other believers, it means that we are willing to hang in there with each other. As we will hear in this new series, Life Together, we serve one another. We give each other the benefit of the doubt. We show up. And thank you for showing up here. We are there. We are here for each other. We love the church despite her weaknesses, the weaknesses of her leaders, the weaknesses of her people. In the church, she loves you, we love you, Christ loves you, Christ loves us together. And we need to remember this reality. John Calvin put it, put it a, a little more sharply, <laughs> which he sometimes could do. He said, we must not thoughtlessly forsake the church because of petty dissension. And there are so many petty dissensions that could divide us, but that should not. And so behold how good and pleasant and wonderful and beautiful it is when you and I dwell together in unity. But unity also, we need to remember, flows down from God. We're told here that it is like precious oil on the head. It, it runs down on the beard. Now, the verb flowing down or coming down keeps repeating in this short psalm. It comes down on the top of the head downward. Now, about that beard. <laughs> okay, we need to talk about that beard. This imagery is kind of strange, frankly, to us. Um, as I have read this psalm over the years, I think, frankly, this sounds a little um, unappealing, sort of like bad manners, maybe, right? And I think as modern folks, we are so sanitized. And yet, I thought about this recently. The past few years, as I enter Target 
one of the main first sections is all about men grooming and taking care of their beards, right? Their oils, their lotions, um, all these different things. So maybe Psalm 133 is more relevant um, than we thought. <laughs> but I want you to enter this world of earthy, visceral, again, sensuous word pictures. It's messy, and it's meant to be. Now, what is the key? What is the interpretive key to all of this? It is that the oil is poured from above and it's coming down on the head of Aaron. It flows down his head, down to his beard, downward, downward. It runs down to the collar of his robes. And so what is this saying? Well, it's saying that God's blessing comes down to us as a gracious gift on his people, like oil. What it's saying, friends, is we, we, you and I, the leaders of this church, of our denomination, none of us can manufacture our unity. We cannot create this. It is not our achievement. It is something that God pours down on us as a gift of grace. And so as we think about our lives together in community, it, it is not having the same politics. It is not having the same skin color or ethnicity. Our culture is telling us in the last five years, that's what unites us and disunites us. But this is no. It is not something that we ultimately build together. It is God's anointing, his outpouring spirit creating unity between otherwise very different people. Now, this is a psalm of ascent. It is the people of God, pilgrims going up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And as they drew closer to the city and to the temple, they were recognizing that they were people from different tribes, from different places in Israel. And they were coming with this common purpose, purpose to worship the Lord. You know, I actually love that we meet in a temple because we ascend up those steps. It's like a psalm of ascent. But I want you to remember each and every Sunday that as we do so, God's grace descends on us like oil flowing down Aaron's beard. It is God's spirit that unites us together. And he brings disparate people, again, with different personalities and so forth. He brings us together. I think back to when I was in high school. Uh, I was involved in my faith, got very excited about my faith when I was a junior or senior, was very involved in our church and youth group. And there was a guy on campus named Henry. We were acquaintances, um, but we had no connection at all. He was in a kind of a different crowd, very much a, a partying crowd. Uh, at six foot five, uh, he seemed kind of surly. He was a, a good kind of nasty defensive end on the football team. He rode around in this souped up Camaro that he worked on, and he had an R-rated license plate frame. Actually, it was probably X-rated. And we just didn't have any connection. And, and I don't know what he thought of me, but we were two people that were pretty different. And somewhere during his senior year, maybe it was his junior year, he started um, 
attending Young Life, a Christian outreach ministry, and I started to have some interactions with him. And then through that process, he actually began to attend our youth group at Hollywood Presbyterian. And he and I became uh, better acquaintances and got to know each other. And, you know, to make a long story short, um, Henry came to Christ. It, it, was, it was powerful. It was evident. Um, he became a part of our youth group. Um, he was baptized in the church, and he was at my house all the time. And I was in his car all the time, and he finally <laughs> removed the license plate frame. <laughs> Uh, I remember times of prayer in that car as we prayed for each other. We ended up later on rooming together in a college uh, inner-city mission trip or uh, mission right in the heart of Hollywood. And then years later, we were in each other's weddings. The Holy Spirit, God's grace that flows down from above, does what we can't ultimately do. And this psalm also gives us another beautiful image. It says that God's unifying grace and his gift is like the dew that falls on the mountain of Zion. It is like the morning mist that in dry regions plays such an important part of the development of life where there's parched grass and crops. It is so crucial. And yet there's even more to this. It is saying that the unity of God's people, again, brings together opposites, and it's symbolized by the dew, the moisture falling on tall Mount Hermon in the north, and little rule, the hill of Zion in the urban south. Again, it brings different people together as God's grace refreshes folks who would otherwise be so far apart. Paul said in Galatians 3, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is such a countercultural declaration, isn't it? Well, finally, as we think of the, the grace of God descending and unifying us, we need to bring it all to the fact that our union is in our priest. You see, the oil that poured down anointed Aaron, and he was a priest of Israel, and a priest was the person who mediated between God and the people. And so again, there is this visceral imagery, and there's more to it. The oil that was poured down on Aaron's head came down onto his beard, and then down onto his breastplate. And what was on the breastplate? In Exodus 28, we are told that the breastplate of the high priest had 12 precious stones or gems. And those gems, those stones, symbolized that the priest was going on behalf of the 12 tribes of Israel, that the various tribes bringing them together into the presence of God, their names were engraved, as it were, on him as he represented them. And so as the oil spread down Aaron's head and onto his beard and onto his clothing, there was the unity that was flowing onto that breastplate, showing that he 
was the one going in with the blood that uh, was shed by the sacrificial animals. This was demonstrating with the oil on the breastplate and on the stones that God was a God who reconciles people to himself and to each other. Well, this so evocatively and provocatively prefigures Jesus. Jesus carries us upon his breastplate, as it were, bringing various diverse people into the holy presence of God, again, uniting us ultimately to his Father and to one another. Think of his baptism. When he was baptized by John, the Spirit descended like a dove. It was like oil pouring on his head. It was equipping him. The Spirit was anointing him to be our peace. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 2. He is our peace, creating one new humanity. And so he makes us one people in him. And so a little later in Ephesians, Paul says this, we must make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit, the Spirit that was poured on to Jesus and that he gives to us. And we do this, we maintain the unity through the bond of peace. And so I ask you, are you working to maintain the unity that we have? It's a gift, it's already ours. Are we fighting, friends, to stay one instead of giving in to temptation to fight each other? Now, again, I think by God's grace, you are doing a tremendous job at this. But we still have a ways to go, and we always have to watch out for the temptations that would pull us apart. And let's remember that the more unified that we are in him as brothers and sisters, the more our vision, God's vision for gospel outreach will flow down and out and reach the world in such a pleasant, beautiful way. And so let's live out the wonderful, lovely request of Jesus in his prayer that we may be one, even as they are one, so that the world may believe that it's real. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would use this word of unity, this promise of the fact that you have not only reconciled us to yourself, but to each other. And God, in this room and in the broader body of Christ, we all have various backgrounds. We, we have convictions about so many things where perhaps we don't agree, whether it's been masks or vaccines or, or geopolitical issues or the environment or, or even weightier issues. God, I pray that you would help us to find our unity in Jesus. Because if we're not in, united in him, then we, we have no true togetherness. We thank you for his virgin birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension to your right hand, and the outpouring of your spirit, his spirit. And we pray, God, that we would hold on to that unity that we would maintain what you have already granted to us. 
and remind us that it's beautiful, that it's like a fragrant perfume, an oil that flows down, not ultimately down the beard of Aaron, but down the head and the beard of Jesus, who is our priest and who unites us to yourself and to each other. And now, God, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, we ask that you would nourish and strengthen our union with you and with your body. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.